All right, everybody, welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dakota Esri, and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, well, welcome to the show. If you enjoy what you listen to or enjoy the uh, content, please uh, feel free to subscribe, give a like, or a rating would be all appreciated. Uh, this is episode number seven. I uh, really enjoyed doing this. The comments, feedback have been fantastic. Thank you to everybody who's been some subscribing, listening, giving me uh, content, feedback, remarks, the whole nine yards. With that being said, we're going to hop into the usual around the world segment, like I always do to start off with. Mavericks beat the Warriors last night. Luka put up 30 points, 14 rebounds, nine assists. Five other players were in double digits, which is good to see for, for Dallas. It's really the only uh, recipe to beat. The Golden State Warriors, unfortunately. I mean, not super unfortunately, because I like the Warriors too, but I think the Mavericks would be a nice, refreshing taste for the league. With that being said, Celtics beat the Heat last night in a defensive brawl. It wasn't a very pretty game to watch, for lack of a term. I don't know if a game's actually pretty or enjoying to watch, I probably should say. But overall, it was a great thing to watch in general. Jalen Brown put up 25 points. Jason Tatum had 22 and 12 rebounds. I picked the Celtics to win this uh, series initially. I like what their overall matchup is against the Heat, but overall, it's going to be a tough, scrappy series. It'll probably go seven games, and I don't think that's going to be for the better of either team because at that point, you're just going to have to be doing more and more work to get down to the finals. Colin Kaepernick kind of worked out yesterday. First time in, uh, since 2017 that he had any kind of football activities. It's been a long time to be away from the league. However, he did a great job keeping his body in prime, uh, prime uh, shape condition. The Raiders, I got a lot, a lot of props for you. You had a lot of, a lot of turbulence in the last few years. You know, Mike Mayock is gone. John Gruden, his lawsuit's gone. Antonio Brown and his his nightmare fiasco is gone. It's been an absolute dumpster fire for, for for the Raiders. Derek Carr has been the absolute captain, the stay of the ship for that franchise. They got uh, Devontae Adams in the off season. They looking real good. They gave Carr an extension. Brought in Joshy Boy McDaniel from 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 the Patriots. So they're in a good position right now. I like where they're at overall. I'm curious to see how Colin will fit into this. I think he could be an adequate backup for, for Derek Carr. Derek Carr has not really missed much of any games in his career. He's been very, very, very stable at the quarterback position for them. Curious to see what that is happening going forward. Their GM endorsed the, everything that has to do with, with Colin Kaepernick. I don't blame them. He'd be a great icon for, for, for Las Vegas. Uh, that's what the that's what they do. You know, they bring in players. You know, on, on reclamation projects. And, you know, trying to see if there's anything left inside of the tank. He is 35, I do believe now, so he's getting up there a little bit in age. But I mean, we're seeing you know Josh McCown come out of a high school coaching retirement and coming out and playing football. Philip Rivers coming back out, and I mean, there's just tons of players that are coming back out. So I don't see why any reason Colin Kaepernick would be able to get that opportunity. Glad to see he's, he's, he's making the most of it. Sounds like they're moving progressively towards the possibility of a deal. However, those details have not been announced to the public. Pardon the page turn. Uh, Josh Donaldson. I covered Josh Donaldson in the last podcast in general. He uh, made some comments that weren't taken very kindly by anybody in the MLB. And for good reason, because Josh Donaldson is not exactly a nice man. I don't know him personally, obviously. Haven't had the opportunity to talk to him. Uh, but in general, his comments about calling Tim Anderson, quote, quote, Jackie, is completely out of line. It's out of place. We don't need any place. We don't need that in sports, which is why he received a one-game suspension without pay, letting him, you know, kind of sending a message that this is not tolerable. We will not accept this behavior. You will be on your best behavior when you're being a professional athlete in Major League Baseball. 
There's no place uh, anymore. The reason why he brought up Jackie is because in the Field of Dreams game, Jackie had the walk-off home run, or excuse me, <laughs> I, 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 did, I did it right there. Tim Anderson had the walk-off home run on that Field of Dreams game against the Yankees. And uh, that's when Josh Donaldson was just on the lineup in general. That was one of the best sporting events I've seen in 25 years. Just unbelievable job. I saw recently that a uh, local businessman had purchased a piece of land in that area to, to make that ballpark a permanent thing, which is an absolutely wonderful thing when it comes down to baseball. Baseball needs more uh, events, more experiences like this to bring in the next generation of fans and kind of tie generations of fans from the previous Field of Dreams uh, movie to the current game. Ray Iota, uh, rest, rest in peace, unfortunately passed away today. He was one of the main people in that movie. Uh, so prayers go out to him and his family. Also, a uh, quick touch on the uh, unfortunate tragedy in Texas. Um, all thoughts and prayers from me and my family go out to all of the uh, affected families and the loved ones and the community and it's just an absolute tragedy. I know I, if there's anything I can do and spread my, uh, my uh, love or my, um, my backing for, for the uh, community in general, I would love to do that. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, there's been a huge outpour and, of uh, help and, you know, love and people just trying to bring people up and best they can and, you know, give them as, you know, I don't want to use the term guidance, but just try and give them, you know, careful love and try to show people that there is a little bit of good in this world right now. You know, I don't, I don't do, you know, world politics. I don't do that on, on this podcast, but um, a natural tragedy is a natural tragedy. And I have to give a moment of silence for that. So please excuse me. Okay, thank you. Um, M-Series versus Oakland. Uh, this is starting to get even more and more complicated by, you know, it gets longer, for lack of a term here. Mariners are not playing good baseball, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's not what I do here. Uh, Mariners can't hit the ball right now. Um, I mean, you got a couple players I'm going to touch on who is hitting the ball, who really isn't hitting the ball, and what, you know, I think Jerry should just should do moving forward. But overall, pitching has been the problem. Pitching has been the problem for the last couple weeks. Marco has been was good for those last uh, couple of starts. I touched on Max Scherzer and the Kevin Gossman. Uh, he battled really well. But when we go to Oakland or play Oakland at our home stadium, we completely just wet the bed for bare lack of a term. Um, just We just didn't show up to play. It was just very simple. We just did not show up to play. Uh, I don't know why our pitching is struggling as much as it is. Oakland came in with the second worst overall OPS on base percentage in baseball. Marco is going to struggle, uh, continue to struggle with his location. I don't like, uh, you know, when he's on, he's on. When he's on the corners, he's good. When he's not on the corners, it's batting practice. I love Marco Gonzalez. He is forever, you know, he's, he, he's our bulldog. You know, he's who we expect to take the mound every couple of days or every five, every five days and uh, show up and do his job. And he usually does. He's been a really good player. Uh, that trade for Tyler O'Neill. some people will say we got we, we took the short end of the stick on that one. However, we've all seen the value of starting pitching, especially when it comes to playoff races and pennants and uh, just in general. You gotta, if you don't have pitching, it's kind of like a good defense in football. If you don't have a good defense, you're not going to get anywhere inside of uh, – you, you can score as many points as you want. If you don't have defense to stop it, you're not going to have the opportunity to get any further. 
Robbie Ray, he is continuing to frustrate me because I feel like Robbie Ray is more infatuated and more focused on his strikeout numbers than actual winning ball games. I cannot believe that he allowed a home run to Seth Brown and Elvis Andrews yesterday. You know, uh, it's a quick stat on that Seth Brown home run. That is the second time this season that a left-handed batter has had two or more hits in a single game versus Robbie Ray. And both of those pitches were right down the middle. One was a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, and one was an 89-mile-an-hour changeup. I don't know. Uh, the, the, the velo relay between his changeup and fastball has been a little bit concerning for me. I feel like he's throwing his changeup too hard. Uh, if it was me personally, I would rather see the changeup at 85, 84, and then have the fastball between 93 to 95. That way you have a little bit of a difference, not, you know, I have a six mile an hour change difference or 10 mile, 10 mile an hour change difference compared to a three or four. George Kirby uh, continues to learn. He's on a similar path as what Logan did last year overall. Uh, he's got better, I think he's got better overall pitch stuff than Logan does due to the fact that he has a little bit better control of it. But recently he's been struggling with that control. He's got, you know, the fastball, the curveball, changeup, slider. And uh, Logan just doesn't really t trust his like off speed. He's been trying to do a little, bit more, a little more recently. I've been seeing the slider and the knuckle curve and the changeup be a little bit better recently in general. But he's still kind of a two pitch pitcher, the fastball and the slider. He does remind me a lot of a young Randy Johnson due to the fact of how long he is going towards the plate. And he cuts that distance off in general, which makes it to where the batter's reaction time is considerably modified. So I'm glad to see that he's able to, you know, trying to take it to to the next level. Unfortunately, he has really struggled his last four appearances coming out. The bullpen is a straight mess, unfortunately. I believe that Anthony Masevich should be DFA'd. I know we don't really have any other better lefty options, but this is kind of where I come back to in previous podcasts with questioning why Jerry Depoto was so complacent with not getting an Aaron Loop or, uh, you know, uh, an Aaron Bummer or, uh, you know, any kind of a lefty, Andrew Chafin, you know, anything that could come in here and be better. Tony Watson, uh, just a list of left-handed crafty guys that would be able to come in to have more experience in general than Anthony Masevich. Nothing against Anthony Masevich. Um, he seems like he's a good, he's a good competitor. He's got a good head on his shoulders, unfortunately. Uh, this team needs to be able to compete and it needs a bullpen that can withstand being able to handle a team as weak as Oakland is offensively. They're the least amount, the least payroll team in baseball and they came into our, our, uh, our ballpark and scored more runs at us, which even hurts me to even say that. It's disgusting. I have so many concerns when it comes to this team. I still know that it's super early inside of the season in general, but with that being said, Steckenreiter is on thin ice. I don't know what the heck is wrong with with Steckenrider. I feel like maybe it was a flash in a pan moment last year when we all got excited. You know, he's a essentially a three pitch pitcher, and if he's on, he's kind of like Marco. If he's on, he's on. He's got better velo than Marco. Obviously, Steckenrider throws about ninety four mile an hour fastball when he's fully healthy. But I feel like if he's not put in the right positions to succeed, which comes down to Scott doing his job or seeing or you know managing his bullpen effectively. Uh, that's kind of where it comes down to. I wonder what the, how the loss of Sadler affects second rider in general because it was usually Sadler, second rider, uh, somebody else, and then Seawald to fill in. And uh, not having Ken Giles has been a huge disappointment. He has he uh, is starting his rehab assignment uh, this week, which is great to see. 
We desperately need another uh, veteran right-hand uh, solid throwing bullpen arm out there in general. I don't know what the heck is wrong uh, when it comes down to Munoz. Munoz has a over 500 batting average against his fastball, which is considered well beyond elite in the terms of metrics and baseball. He throws over 100 mile an hour fastball, but for some reason it's flat. It has no movement. There's no plane. I don't know if it's due to lack of spin rate. Um, it just—it's really confusing. I don't understand a guy who can throw 100 miles an hour and decently located has been so bad this year. It's frustrating because he was a big part of that trade with Austin Nola, the Austin Nola, Ty France, uh, Teo Trammell, Luis Torrens. You know that trade's been fairly good. I'd say in general, obviously Ty France by far has been the gem of that trade. But you got to have more than one guy show up to play. Teo Trammell, I don't know how to feel about him, honestly. He's kind of frustrating for me in general, um, kind of like Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore just can't hit the ball whatsoever. He's not even competitive. The other night, I watched him. He didn't even swing a bat for two plate appearances. If you don't, if you are a professional baseball hitter, and I understand that professional baseball is probably the most difficult sport to play because you're trying to hit a baseball at 100-plus miles an hour all the time. You know, it's like, you know, you're a god in baseball if you can hit the ball three times out of ten. You know, you fail seven out of ten times, you know, and you're still one of the best players in baseball. It's just an incredible thing to wrap your mind around. I still have a hard time doing it all the time. But with that being said, I don't know what you're supposed to do with, with Dylan Moore. I've been advocating for, for Billy Hamilton to come up. I don't know why they haven't done it. As far as I've heard, he's not hitting the ball well in AAA, which if he's not hitting the ball in AAA, he's not getting, he's not, he's not getting the ball in uh, major leagues. Dylan Moore's defense is good. He's a good defensive replacement when it comes to late innings situations. But overall, if you can't hit the baseball, you have no place on this team. I'm not trying to be rude, but um, either hit the ball or step aside, please, at this point. I'm sick and tired of watching guys that come up and do nothing with their bats. You know, thankfully, Kyle Raleigh's looked a little bit better recently. Had a couple of multi-hit games. Uh, he started, I feel like his eyes and his hands are starting to correspond a little bit better, which is great to see in general because he's really vital to the, to the future of his franchise. Obviously, Harry Ford, one of our draft picks, our first-round draft pick two years ago, he is a massive part of our future because he's a true athletic catcher. However, he's been dealing with some injuries down there in, uh, in single-A ball. He's only hitting 222 right now. I'm going to be doing a State of the Farm podcast coming up here soon. Just kind of giving an update on all the guys, Evan Arroyo, Cade Marlowe, uh, Robert Perez, everybody down there, see what they're doing. Jared Kelnick is struggling right now in AAA. He's got over 15 strikeouts in his games down there. He's not doing well, unfortunately. He was 6 for 36 last time I saw, which is not good at all. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to really touch on when it comes to, to Jared Kelnick. Julio is really the shining moment of the, or the shining point of this team right now. Him and Ty France have been carrying the load. Uh, you know, Julio, it can't be enough said, man. That there is, uh, I am afraid there's being too much pressure on, on, on his shoulders, but he doesn't sh seem to be showing any kinds of, you know, applying that pressure. He's not pressing at the plate. He's super positive, super patient. He's great with all of the all of the media people. Uh, he's just he's wise beyond his years. I see this on MLB Network all the time about they're just saying this kid is just so far ahead of baseball for his age and for his time and how many plate appearances he's had. He's up to 273 batting average, which is absolutely awesome to see. 
that we have a young kid performing the way he is. Those two towering home runs this uh, this week against or that series against Oakland was great to see, especially that one to right field. Just shows his true uh, true strength. He can hit the ball to all fields, and when you can show that in the league, the pitchers really have to uh, respect your ability to do that. Ty France has a nice little eight-game hitting streak. Uh, that's super great to see. Like I touched on him and uh, Kyle Lewis, who came up recently. He is going to be a huge part of this team, being able to pull itself around right now. We got to have Kyle Lewis come up. Mike Ford is uh, blah. He's like, you know, vanilla ice cream. I know there's a lot of people that like that flavor of ice cream, but for me, he's just boring uh, in general. Really uh, great to have Kyle Lewis back from everything he's been through with the reconstructive knee surgery. He's hitting the ball very hard consistently and love to see that. JP started to do what JP did at the end of last year. Or just yeah, yeah, or all of year, I should say, mostly in general. He's hitting the ball to all fields. He was pulling the ball a lot to start the season. I noticed he was trying to like hit the ball for power, trying to yank, trying to be a different player than what he is. You know, we were like, "Holy Toledo, J.P. Crawford has four home runs. He had four home runs all season, woohoo!" And then it was just like down the drain we go because he kept doing it, and kept doing it, and kept doing it. And Scott made a mention that recently in one of his post game hot conferences that he really told JP that he wants him to use the use all uh, use the ball to all fields, hit the ball to all fields. Use his ability to, you know, watch the ball go to the bat and dictate where you want the ball to go, not how far you want the, the, the ball to go. I liked when I heard that from Scott. I know Scott Service has been under massive fire the last two weeks, last month, because we've, we've been playing like trash. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been a very, very, very miserable month of May. I am looking forward to June for multiple reasons. Um, with that being said, today off today for them in, in uh, at home. I hope they can just get home, spend some time with their families, kind of get that mental reset check in. We got a tough series upcoming against uh, Houston. Flexa versus Verlander. Verlander's at the number one ERA in the American League at 1.22. It's just not going to be easy sledding. We're going to have to step up to the plate, figure it out. And, uh, yeah, I hope that we can – I hate to say we, I hope we can get one win out of this three-game series, but, I mean, I'm just trying to be, you know, glass half empty and trying to just, you know, the bare minimal, I think, with this team right now is acceptable. It's frustrating, but it's acceptable because of how we're playing. Uh, the bullpen, if they don't pull their heads out of their butts, we're going to be in a bad spot. CLC Hawks. I got a lot of CLC Hawks stuff today. Tree Colon returned back to practice for the first time after nursing a hamstring injury. Great to see that. He is a freak of nature. He looks so similar to Trey Flowers, but he's so much more athletic than Trey Flowers, which is super exciting on multiples on a multitude of levels. He's got four three speed at six five at a corner, which you just don't see like hardly ever. He was pulled, he was initially uh, ranked as a second round pick come out of UUTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio. So really curious to see what happens with him. No update yet on Chris Carson, which is a little bit concerning to say the least. Pete's been pretty quiet on this. He did say at the beginning of the week that they would have an update on Chris Carson in general to see uh, where he was progressing back from his, spine, his uh, spinal neck fusion surgery. Penny's nursing a hamstring injury, which is no surprise because Rashad Penny is injury prone. As injury prone gets, he, you know, type in injury prone inside the dictionary. Rashad Penny's name shows up. I know how great he was in the last year. However, he's been battling injuries for his entire career up here. Unfortunately, it's just kind of been the, been the same old story. You know, I don't understand why he is so. I don't want to use the term soft because that's coming across as being rude or blunt. 
But it seems like Penny's always got something nagging him. When you play the position of running back, you're going to be, you know, you're a battering ram. You're going to get, the, the, you know, the crap beat out of you. You might as well just step in there, recognize what's, what's about to happen, take it on, on the chin, get your ice bath in, do your stem, whatever you, whatever you have to, figure it out, and be the position that we really need because this team, Pete made it very clear when we traded Russell Wilson, we are going to be back to running the football and having a play, a, a point guard at the quarterback position. Me, myself personally, I think that I would like to see Drew Locke win the job over uh, Geno Smith. Geno Smith, I touched on the home, you know, vanilla-based ice cream. That's what Geno Smith is to me. He's blah. He's boring. Um, I know Pete has not a problem with that. He obviously, he has a big advantage over Locke, being the fact he's been in the offense for as long as he has. He's been... You know, two steps ahead of Drew Locke. Drew Locke's just got better physical skill set in general, bigger arm. Uh, you know, he's not as accurate as Gino, but that's what they're trying to work on with him right now during OTAs is just getting that practice, getting those reps in. There's a nice uh, video this morning of him and Tyler Locke at practice. Um, so that's good to see. I mean, it's easy to see when you just watch a video, you know. Of, you know oh, is he going to be great or is he going to be good? There's no way you can, you know, decipher anything from it. It's just a video, so... I look at the tight spiral, I'm looking at his feet, I'm looking at his statue, I'm looking at everything, you know, his fundamentals, how he plants, how he throws, how his, how his shoulder angle is, all that stuff. I touched on the running backs. Uh, this is a good opportunity with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson being out for Ken Walker, uh, Josh Johnson, uh, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas to come in here and show. Travis Homer looks yoked. He looks like Robert Turbin. He hasn't lost any speed with, with putting on muscle. He's by far our best uh, pass blocker on our running backs right now. Has been since he came in from the University of Miami. So I'd be curious to see what happens with that in general. University of Miami, I actually hired Alonzo Highsmith, who is an executive of Seattle to become the GM of football operations. Congratulations to Alonzo. Uh, rookie Abe, Abe uh, Lucas signed his rookie contract, uh, contract today. If I can actually talk, that'd be fantastic. Uh, signed his rookie contract today. Uh, there's no details on the signing quite yet. When I get that, it'll be tossed into the next podcast. Seahawks offered Cliff Averill a coaching position. I love to see this. I hope he takes the job. I know he's busy with his podcast and he works on the radio and whatnot. He's fantastic at what he does on the radio and his podcasts are absolute money. Give I love to you know love to chat chat with him if I ever get the opportunity to just kind of pick his brain. Him and Sherman have been doing great work when it comes to the podcast, which is a big reason why I got into this also. Because, you know, I kind of learn from other guys, see what they do, and just mimic it. And just learn every single day. LJ Collier came in at 294 pounds to OTAs. They specifically wanted him to bulk up because he was just too light. Last year he came in about 282. His hands weren't heavy enough. He was getting just blown off the ball by offensive tackles. He's playing specifically at defensive tackle in this new 3-4 scheme under Clint Hurt. Uh, love to see that in general because of the fact he is a, he is an explosive athlete. He's really talented. He's got good side to side move, uh, good bend, good speed, good traits. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Jordan Brooks is going to be the signal caller on defense this year. He's getting the green dot to take over for Bobby's responsibilities now that he's with the Rams. Pardon the page turn. Uh, and this is what I'm going to finish up with today. A couple of quick notes. Uh, Tyler Lockett won an Emmy and winning an Emmy Award for a feature on a Black Wall Street documentary. Congratulations to Tyler Lockett for all of the work that you do and all your passions and your drive to be nothing but great. Um, 
been seeing Doug Baldwin's been in, in touch more with the franchise. I have heard that they have offered him also a coaching position, so I'd be curious to see what they do there. I think that he'd be absolutely fantastic in that role because he's got the right mindset. He's got a great mind for it. And with today's podcast, we're going to finish up with a little bit of a shout-out and a moment uh, for first GM John Thompson passed away this week at the age of 95. Fun fact about him in general, he was the guy who brought the title and the name of the Seattle Seahawks to this franchise in 1976. He made it a poll. So what he did was, because, you know, a lot of teams, you know, when they did, like, the, the Washington Commanders and all that stuff, they want, like, they said they offered it out to to the public, but that details was never really linked or never really put out there for, for people to see. What John Thompson wanted is that he wanted the community to pick the name of this franchise. He didn't want this to be in-house. He wanted this to be for the fans. And the fans... Uh, he sent out a ballot, and the ballots were similar to what it was back in the day for voting, uh, when they had like the little bubbles that you would fill in and whatnot. And the fans decidedly chose and wanted that they want Seattle Seahawks. They wanted they like the Seahawks. The Seahawks as a predator, um, you know, goes from the sky. You know, we know what the Seahawks is now, obviously. But as I saw that recently, uh, thought that was an absolutely incredible moment, a great gesture by a hell, a hell of a man. Uh, my prayers go out to him and his family. And uh, yeah, with that being said, that's going to be today's podcast. Uh, For those who are new to the podcast, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. Please give me a rating. All that really helps. I uh, I just super appreciate everybody getting on there, uh, subscribing, give me some ratings, give me some comments. It's kind of, you know, I get better at this every single time. It's allowing me to kind of a little bit craft, you know, craft my ability and get my, get my, uh, podcast up and going even further than what it is i'm still looking for sponsors if anybody locally listening to this knows any companies that be willing to do that i'd be really 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 helpful with that uh it'd be awesome try and get my name out there even further than what it is now thank you for everybody for listening for today's podcast and until next time see us rise and let's hope for a good mariner series versus versus houston peace